Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, July 15th, 2016. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. Today we are going to present the Prophecy of Zechariah, Part 5. In the last segment of this presentation of the Prophecy of Zechariah, we left off partway through Chapter 8. The theme of that segment, which began with Zechariah chapter 7, we identified as sin and punishment. We are calling this segment scattering and gathering. In the biblical context, the two concepts cannot be separated from one another. A major underlying theme of all the biblical prophets, which is often expressed in very explicit terms is the scattering of Israel in punishment for their sin and the gathering of Israel in mercy and reconciliation. Yahweh did not scatter Israel without a purpose and he promised to gather Israel explicitly and exclusively. By the time of the prophet Zechariah the scattering of Israel was an accomplished fact but even before the scattering was accomplished. Through the more ancient prophets, Yahweh had set forth these exclusive plans by which he would both reconcile himself to Israel and gather them together once again, at least allegorically, while at the same time the promises to the patriarchs in relation to the destiny of their seed would be fulfilled. This plan is illustrated in prophecy as early as the books of Moses. So the plan was a part of Yahweh's law, and it is his divine will for Israel from the very beginning. This entire purpose of God set forth in Scripture is the theme throughout the Bible. And there is no other purpose for the coming of Christ outside of this purpose. For this precise reason, Paul of Tarsus had written in Romans chapter 8, where he was speaking to some of the descendants of those same scattered Israelites. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, he only foreknew the children of Israel. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Those brethren are the children of Israel as Paul had explained in chapter 2 of his epistle to the Hebrews, where he said, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Just as it was important for Christ to be of the seed of Abraham, to fulfill the promises to Abraham, it is also important 
for Christians to be of the seed of Abraham, to fulfill the promises to Abraham. As Paul himself had explained in Romans chapter 4, where he professed that the promise was certain to all the seed of Abraham. Anything but seed from Abraham's loins was rejected by God, and it is a denial of the promises to Abraham. Abraham was blessed because he believed God, that his seed would come from his loins. And Christians must also believe that same thing, that Abraham's seed became many nations, according to the promises, as Paul says in Romans chapter 4. Thus shall thy seed be, that those nations originated from the scattering of Israel, and it is they for whom Christ had come. Any other belief is not Christianity. So in Zechariah chapter 7, we saw the record of a relatively minor event, and a description of it was employed as an example in order to describe a greater purpose, where Yahweh illustrated the sins, recollected the scattering, and again promised the gathering and reconciliation of the same ancient children of Israel. The ultimate meaning of this prophecy of Zechariah being a messianic prophecy of Christ, we also see the very purpose of the Christ described in these chapters. The people of the town of Bethel had sent men to inquire of the priests and leaders in Jerusalem as to whether they should continue to keep the fasts which they had been keeping since the original temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. But upon their inquiry, Yahweh admonished them through the prophet, informing them that they had never kept any of the appointed fasts or feasts for his benefit, but rather they kept them only for themselves and their own benefit. The prophet then explained that the former prophets, those of the old kingdom, had warned them of this same thing and had instructed them of their sins, but neither had the people listened to them. With this, some of the sins of the people of Israel were recounted, and those which are mentioned help to illustrate the original purpose of the feasts, the fasts, and the Sabbaths. The ancients should have used the appointed days as opportunities to serve their brethren and their communities. But they had not shown mercy and compassion to their brethren, and instead, the poor and weak of the people were exploited. It is for this that Yahweh said in the closing verse of Zechariah chapter 7, that I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. The people by their sin laid the pleasant land desolate. But even though the children of Israel had sinned so grievously that Yahweh put them away and sent them into captivity, in the opening of Zechariah chapter 8, he nevertheless expresses his jealousy for them. That same jealousy expressed for Israel here in Zechariah was also expressed by Yahweh in the context of their disobedience in Deuteronomy chapter 4, which we will cite shortly.
This is God using the expression of a human emotion. We snap at our spouses in anger, and immediately we feel bad that we expressed our anger. We spank our children and send them off to sulk. And while they do so, we also feel bad that we are separated from them. So Yahweh expresses his love for his people Israel in those same terms. As the children of Israel are both collectively his wife and individually his children. But while the anger of men may sometimes be unrighteous, the anger of God is justified. Yahweh used this same analogy of wife and children speaking of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 3, where he spoke to Judah as the northern tribes were already in captivity, actually to the remnant of Judah. And he said in part, They say, if a man put away his wife, and she go from him, and become another man's, shall he return again unto her? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, saith Yahweh. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, My father, thou art the God of my youth. Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up upon every high mountain, and under every green tree, and there has played the harlot. And I said after she had done all these things, Turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw, when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. In this analogy, as it often is also in Hosea, in this analogy the twelve tribes of Israel collectively are the wife, but the children, portrayed as two sisters, are treated separately, one already having been put away, as the other was about to be put away. So it is written later, in Jeremiah chapter 33, after it was determined that Judah would also go into captivity, that Yahweh said, Considerest thou not what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which Yahweh has chosen, he has even cast them off. Thus they have despised my people, that they would no more be a nation before them. And even this also bears a message of hope. Where continuing it says, Thus saith Yahweh, If my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. If we still have day and night, if we still have a heaven and an earth, then the Messiah has come to reconcile Israel, the seed of Jacob, the descendants of the ancient Israelites. For the sins of Israel, at the end of Zechariah chapter 7, Yahweh said that he scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not. 
And the prophet opens this chapter, where the word of God had come to him, and said, I was jealous for Zion, with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. I am returned unto Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of Yahweh of hosts, the holy mountain. The prophecy which follows, which describes children playing, and people inhabiting the streets of Jerusalem, had a near term, a near vision fulfillment. But as we have already discussed, it also has a far-reaching, transcendental fulfillment in Christ which was the very purpose of the building of the second temple. So in verses 7 and 8 of this chapter we read, Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, in truth and in righteousness. And that certainly does not describe the 70 weeks kingdom. It never did. As Daniel chapter 9 explains, the existence of the 70 weeks kingdom and the ministry of Christ conducted there made possible the gathering and reconciliation of the children of Israel and the remission of their sins. Jerusalem, in this prophetic aspect, refers not to the city in Palestine, which was slated for destruction, but to the seats of the government of the people of God, wherever they may be. And that passage is where we left off in our last presentation of this prophecy, where we thought to digress here seeing an opportunity to revisit this plan of God as it expressed as it is expressed throughout scripture that the children of Israel would be scattered and that it is those same children of Israel their descendants whom Christ had come to regather we cannot illustrate all of the passages that explain this plan in one or two hours but we shall endeavor to elucidate how very old this plan was in the mind of God, and how consistently it was exhibited throughout the prophets. When Paul confidently wrote of the purpose of Yahweh in Romans chapter 8, this was the purpose he had in mind. It is incredible to us that most Christians do not even have any cognizance of these simple scriptural truths. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, we see a warning to the children of Israel as they are about to inhabit the land of Canaan. And it says in verse 23, Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of Yahweh your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which Yahweh thy God has forbidden thee. For Yahweh thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. The same emotion expressed for Israel in Zechariah chapter 8, long after Israel was scattered. When thou shalt beget children, Deuteronomy 4.25, and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image, or the likeness of anything, 
and shall do evil in the sight of Yahweh thy God, to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto you go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall be utterly destroyed. And Yahweh shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither Yahweh shall lead you. The scattering of Israel was already inevitable. And there shall you serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek Yahweh thy God from the place of scattering, thou shalt find him, if thou shalt seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to Yahweh thy God, and shall be obedient unto his voice, for Yahweh thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. If we examine this text of Deuteronomy chapter 4 closely, it becomes evident that it was not conditional that the children of Israel were going to be scattered. Rather, it was inevitable. So they were warned to remember the covenants, not to prevent themselves from being scattered, but rather so that they could look back in the place of their scattering and know that their God would be true to the promises which he made to their fathers. But it was just as inevitable that although they had these promises, they would nevertheless practice idolatry after they were scattered. Once the children of Israel are properly identified in ancient history, we may see that history has indeed followed this prophecy. Likewise, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, there are promises of blessings and curses for obedience or disobedience to the law. There it says, in part, If thou wilt not, from verse 58, if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, Yahweh thy God, then Yahweh will make thy plagues wonderful, and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sickness, and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, them will Yahweh bring upon thee until thou be destroyed, and ye shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of Yahweh thy God. And it shall come to pass that as Yahweh rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so Yahweh will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught, and you shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it.
and Yahweh shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other, and there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest, but Yahweh shall give thee there a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind, and thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have no assurance of thy life. And while this warning of scattering sounds conditional, that does not mean that it was not inevitable. The providence of God certainly expressed that inevitability once again just a few verses later in that same book. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, the scattering of Israel is foretold as an inevitable reality, where the word of God says, from verse 1, And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse. It doesn't say that all these things might come upon thee. It says when all these things are come upon thee. They are inevitable. The blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind, as we already said, explaining the text at Deuteronomy chapter 4, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations where Yahweh thy God has driven thee, and shall return unto Yahweh thy God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. Thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then Yahweh thy God will turn thy captivity, and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations where Yahweh thy God has scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of the earth, from thence will Yahweh thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. Yahweh himself had indicated in Amos chapter 5 that this promised scattering of Israel was inevitable from the very time of the Exodus. The same passage that I'm talking about in Amos 5 was later cited by Stephen in his speech in Acts chapter 7. There it is evident that Stephen also interpreted these passages in this same manner where it is recorded that he said, Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, the pagan religions, or religions, as it is written in the book of the prophets, meaning Amos. O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your god Remphan, figures which you made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. And of course, some translations there say beyond Damascus, the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew. So the children of Israel had turned to paganism from the beginning, and in their scattering, they continued in their paganism. 
As we had already explained discussing Zechariah chapter 7, to some degree, that scattering already began with the Exodus. And although the records are not found in our Bibles, they are found in history. But in spite of the scattering, the children of Israel were nevertheless the recipients of the promises made to their fathers, on which account they would eventually be reconciled to their God through Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 30 is also a messianic prophecy. Christ told the Pharisees that Moses wrote of him, and it was he through whom the scattered Israelites returned to Yahweh their God. So Christ was absolutely correct. The fulfillment of the prophecy proves the words of Christ to be correct. Speaking of those same events of the Exodus, we read in Psalm 106 that we have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. Then, further on in that same psalm, in verse 47, Save us, O Yahweh our God, and gather us from among the nations. Give to give thanks unto thy holy name, and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be Yahweh God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say Amen. Praise ye Yahweh. Likewise, we read in Psalm 107, O give thanks unto Yahweh, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of Yahweh say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gather them out of the lands, as we also read in Luke chapter 1, to redeem us from our enemies, and he gathered them out of the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, as we read in Matthew chapter 8, and in Luke chapter 13, in the words of Christ. This same scattering and gathering is a major theme of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11 we read, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Then, for just another example, we may see the word of Yahweh in Isaiah chapter 43. But now, thus saith Yahweh that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Fear not, for I am with thee, I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. It is the same outcast of Israel of whom Zechariah speaks here, when he wrote, in verse 7 of this chapter, Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country, and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, in truth and in righteousness. Now if we really examine 
the purpose of Christ, which was to gather his people. And we see the people known as Jews scattered after the ministry of Christ, then by that we know that Jews are not the people of Christ because they were scattered after the ministry of Christ when Christ professed that he was coming to gather his people, not to scatter them. He came to scatter his enemies. We have already cited Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 24 through 26 in this regard. But there are three other passages of Jeremiah which stand out as witnesses to this same scattering and gathering, which are also related to the promise of the new covenant found in Jeremiah chapter 31. First, Yahweh is recorded as having told the children of Israel through the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 14, And I will be found of you, saith Yahweh, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places where I have driven you, saith Yahweh, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Then Yahweh addresses the nations in general, where he affirms the promise of the gathering of Israel just before the promise of the new covenant with Israel. And he says in Jeremiah chapter 31, in verse 10, Hear the word of Yahweh, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. And Christ is the good shepherd. The last passage we will cite from Jeremiah in this regard is from Jeremiah chapter 32, where Yahweh says, Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. None of these promises of scattering and gathering were directed at the people now known as Jews. Rather, the scattering was spoken of in the past tense by all the later prophets, and even in the time of Isaiah, who lived to see it. Isaiah wrote up to the time of Hezekiah, when Israel and most of Judah had already been taken captive by the Assyrians. Jeremiah likewise wrote over 600 years before the so-called diaspora of the Jews when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. The real scattering of true Israel began with the exodus and ended with the captivity of the remnant in Babylon, which only consisted of a small portion of Judah who were not taken by the Assyrians. So in Jeremiah chapter 23, we read that Israel is already scattered. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith Yahweh. Therefore, thus saith Yahweh God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Ye have scattered my flock and driven them away, and have not visited them, 
Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith Yahweh. And then, on the other hand, we have in Jeremiah chapter 31, where Yahweh says that he that scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. We see the same theme repeated in Ezekiel chapter 34. And the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophecy and say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, and you clothe you with the will, with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty you have ruled them. And they were scattered, because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains. And upon every high hill my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And none did search or seek after them. So Christ had to do it himself, allegorically. The scattered children of Israel are exclusively the sheep of Yahweh's pasture, as we have seen them described in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. The identity of the sheep was never changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and therefore Christ himself professed in Matthew chapter 15, that I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was sent to make reconciliation to Israel, as it says in Psalm 74, O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why does thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Israel was already scattered by the time of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and none of them were ever called Jews. When they were scattered, they were practicing what we now look back on and call paganism. The Bible refers to paganism as idolatry and allegorically as fornication or harlotry, whoredom, because the nation as a whole is the wife of Yahweh its God. So in that manner, the Apostle James addressed his epistle to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. And Paul, in Acts chapter 26, distinguished them from Jews where he said, And now I stand up, and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Therefore the Jews are not the twelve tribes, and the twelve tribes are distinct from the Jews. For this reason, that the actual tribes of Israel are to be gathered to Christ, when Christ speaks of the resurrection, he does not speak of Gentiles, and he does not speak of some replacement for Israel, or so-called spiritual Israel. Rather, in Matthew chapter 19, he speaks of the twelve tribes of Israel, 
that it is they whom the apostles would preside over, when he said, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Likewise, he is recorded as having said in Luke chapter 22, You are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Nobody else. No Gentiles mentioned there. For the same reason, the city of God described in Revelation has the names of the twelve tribes of Israel on its gates. It is only those twelve tribes who will be gathered into the kingdom of God, as we read in Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now there are sophists who say, oh, there are good goats and bad sheep. But there aren't any sheep going on to the left hand. And there aren't any goats going on to the right hand. And the sophists say, well, the goats can do good to one another, but that's not true, because the goats in Matthew 25, if you really examine the text, the goats are judged by how they treated the sheep, not by how they treated other goats. The goats are judged by how they did unto the least of these little ones, which is a reference to the sheep, not to other goats. The sophists and scoff. The sophists can scoff and make up any lies they want to squeeze goats into the kingdom of heaven, but it's simply not going to happen. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left, and he sorts them out on sight as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Shepherds don't walk up to the goats and say, did you act like a sheep today? No. They just go to the left. That's it. They look like goats. To the left you go. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This plan of God from the foundation of the world was for a kingdom of the children of Israel at the exclusion of all other peoples, fulfilling the promises Yahweh made to Abraham. So it says in Isaiah chapter 27, He shall cause them that come out of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Ultimately, the sheep all go to the kingdom of God, and the goats all go to hell, to the proverbial lake of fire, never to be seen again. The other races, and those who would defend them, can scoff at this. However, there is an answer for that in Psalm 79, from verse 10. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? 
Let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants which is shed. Let the sighing of the prisoner, describing Israel in captivity, come before thee according to the greatness of thy power. Preserve thou those that are appointed to die, describing Israel in sin. And render unto our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach, wherewith they have reproached thee, O Yahweh. So we thy people and the sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. It speaks again of the children of Israel in Psalm 100. Know ye that Yahweh, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And again in Psalm 95, which hearkens once more to the Exodus. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And Paul cited this very verse in his epistle to the Hebrews. And Christ thought of no other sheep when he professed that I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those who attempt to gather anything but the sheep to the sheepfold are themselves scatterers and not gatherers, as Christ also attested. So with this promise of the scattering and gathering of ancient Israel, we shall commence with Zechariah chapter 8, from verse 9, where we had left off a week ago. Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, Let your hands be strong, that you hear in these days these words by the mouths of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of Yahweh of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. Here is a warning, that the men who came to inquire of Zechariah and the priests, as it is described at the beginning of Zechariah chapter 7, heed the prophets, as their fathers had been heedless of the prophets of old, they were being encouraged and admonished to heed the prophets of their own times. It says here, prophets in the plural. We had discussed earlier in these segments of this presentation of Zechariah that the prophet Haggai had conducted his own ministry at this very time. Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, followed some time thereafter. And in verse 10, For before these days, there was no hire for man. White man couldn't get a job. Nor any hire for beast. Neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I set all men, every one against his neighbor. They probably were hiring Mexicans instead. I'm just being sarcastic. Yahweh had warned the people of Judah of this same thing. In Isaiah chapter 3, as a punishment for their sins. For behold, the Lord, Yahweh of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the storage. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, and the prudent and the ancient, 
the captain of fifty, and the honorable man, and the counselor, and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes. In other words, all the wise and good men are being taken away, and they're going to be ruled by Obamas and Hillarys. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes, or maybe monkeys, shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, or the elder, and the base against the honorable, like Black Lives Matter. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let, let this ruin be under thy hand. So now we see the fulfillment of the punishment which Yahweh had prophesied in Isaiah and the promise that it would pass in the 70 weeks kingdom so long as they obeyed the prophets of their own time. And in verse 11, But now I will not be under the residue of this people as in the former days, saith Yahweh of hosts. This is an offering to the remnant of the people who returned to build the second temple. That the period of punishment would be lifted if they heeded the prophets, Zechariah and Haggai. And whatever prophets there may have been at this time. The residue of this people would be just that. Those who remained in Jerusalem to effect the will of God in the second temple period. But we must not lose sight of the fact that the very purpose of the second temple and the seventy weeks kingdom is to effect the greater promises of God and the reconciliation of all Israel. So we shall see the direction of the prophecy widen as its scope it has we will see the direction of the prophecy widen in scope as it proceeds. I'm sorry. But before we proceed we must take notice that this prophecy also has an immediate and an ultimate meaning, a near vision and a far vision, where it admonishes the men to heed the prophets that the temple might be built, and recounts prophecies and admonishments relating to how the people of Israel had treated one another in the past. The temple which is referenced is not merely the brick-and-mortar temple. Rather, it is referring to the body of the people themselves. The true temple of God, found in the scattered children of Israel. That temple would be built as the ultimate result of the second temple and the 70 weeks kingdom, as we discussed when we presented, I believe it was Zechariah chapter 6. It may have been chapter 5. In this aspect, we read in verse 12 here, for the seed shall be prosperous. The vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase. And the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these, or all these things, as the King James adds the word things. The seed is not only agrarian. Rather, the seed speaks collectively of all Israel which becomes evident in the verse that follows. As the word of Yahweh says in Isaiah chapter 45, But Israel shall be saved in Yahweh with an everlasting salvation, 
You shall not be ashamed or confounded, world without end. And in verse 25 of that chapter, In Yahweh shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. However, here there is also an immediate fulfillment in the remnant of Jerusalem, which prospered through the several centuries down to the time of Christ. But after an accepting of the gospel of Christ, the nations of scattered Israel had also prospered. And considering all of Israel, the people scattered among the nations may also be considered the remnant of this people. And verse 13 reads, And it shall come to pass, that as you were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, and that transcends the seventy weeks kingdom. So will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. The same passage of Isaiah addresses the scattered children of Israel who had taken to paganism, but who were called to reconciliation. The same passage of Isaiah chapter 45, which we had cited in relation to the prior verse. Assemble yourselves. And come, draw near together, you that are escaped of the nations, those who escaped those nations where they were a curse. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save, referring to the scattered Israelites who escaped Assyria and Babylonia and the cities of the Medes. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yeah, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I, Yahweh, and there is no God beside me, a just God and a Savior? There is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Here where it mentions... The house of Israel and the house of Judah, here in this passage of Zechariah. The remnant which returned to build the 70 weeks kingdom cannot represent both of these, or even either of them. While they are sometimes referred to as the house of Judah, this remnant kingdom, they were actually only a small remnant of that house. Therefore, the far vision, the long-term fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy in the ministry of Christ, is clearly manifest in Zechariah's words, where he refers to the house of Judah and the house of Israel. So will I save you. The phrase, all the ends of the earth, as it appears in Isaiah chapter 45, also refers to the scattered children of Israel. This is evident in places such as the blessing of Moses to the tribes recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 33. There, for example, it says, speaking of Joseph, that his glory is like the firstling of his bullock, and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. And we all understand that unicorns is a mistranslation there. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth. And they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. 
And likewise, Moses spoke of Zebulun, Issachar, and Naphtali. And he said, They shall call the people unto the mountain. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hid in the sand. And of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfy with favor and full with the blessing of Yahweh. Possess thou the west and the south. Of course, the initial land assigned to Naphtali was in the north of Palestine. But these tribes, along with Asher, were the principal peoples, later called Phoenician by the Greeks. Moses gave blessings to the other tribes as well, but these here show that the presence of the tribes was certainly not expected to be limited to the small land in Palestine. Here Yahweh tells both houses of Israel that you were a curse among the heathen. While many Israelites settled across Europe and the Mediterranean shores from the earliest times, the people who were a curse among the heathen, referring to the other Adamic nations, were those who were taken captive by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. We see a reference to the curse once again in Galatians chapter 3, where Paul had said that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. And this once again exhibits the messianic nature of Zechariah's prophecy. Ultimately, in Christ, we read in Revelation chapter 21 concerning the city of God, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now in Zechariah 8, verse 14, For thus saith Yahweh of hosts, As I thought to punish you, when your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith Yahweh of hosts, and I repented not, so again have I thought in these days to do well unto Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear ye not. The ultimate objective of the prophecy is realized in the fulfillment of the far vision, which is the salvation of all Israel and Judah, as we saw in verse 13. But here in verse 14, only Judah is mentioned, because the method by which that salvation is ultimately accomplished is immediate, where Yahweh must preserve the 70 weeks kingdom of the remnant of Judah in Jerusalem as the vehicle by which he would achieve the ultimate objective expressed in verse 13, the salvation of both the houses of Israel and Judah. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oath. For all these things are things that I hate saith Yahweh. And as we have seen in chapter 7 of Zechariah's prophecy, these are some of the things which the ancient children of Israel and Judah had failed to do. Loving and treating one's brethren as one hopes to be treated by God is one of the major themes of the Gospel of Christ, and that is being expressed here. But here there is a deeper message. The manifestation of a litigious society, as we have in the West today, 
reflects the greed of the people and their turning against one another disaffected from brotherly love. But Yahweh exhorts his people to judge their brethren righteously in accordance with his law. He also exhorts his people to forgive their brethren. As we read in the Septuagint version of Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 28, in the ways of righteousness is life, but the ways of those that remember injuries lead to death. Likewise, in Proverbs chapter 17, he, he that conceals injuries seeks love. In other words, when your brother causes you harm and you don't denounce it and you forget it. You lay it aside, hoping that your brother repents and does better. He that conceals injury seeks love but he that hates to hide them, separates friends and kindred, causes divisions. When we neglect to forgive our brethren, we alienate one another and cannot build the body of Christ. Judgment in the ancient world was conducted in the gates of the cities, and therefore we see the reference to gates here. The children of Judah were chastised by Yahweh for lying and false oaths in Jeremiah chapter 5. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if you can find a man, if there be any that executes judgment that seeks the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say, Yahweh liveth, Surely they swear falsely. There was nobody in Jerusalem practicing righteous judgment. We see Yahweh's retribution for the perversion of judgment described in Isaiah chapter 29 where it says, For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. In other words, if you are forever on the watch for iniquity in others. That make a man an offender for a word, sounds like a pharisaical Jew, and lay a snare for him that reproves in the gate, and turns aside the just for a thing of naught. Him that reproves in the gate is he who attempts to execute righteous judgment. And the enemies of God set snares for those men and they turn aside the just for a thing of naught. They harm the children of God for the sake of beasts. Likewise, reread of these sins for which Israel was scattered in Habakkuk chapter 1. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are they that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked, and judgment does never go forth, for the wicked do compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceeds. Sounds like a group of Jewish lawyers. These are the evils for which Yahweh calls the remnant of Judah to repent here in Zechariah. Now we have a further word. And the word of Yahweh of hosts came unto me, saying, 
Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness, and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love the truth and peace. As we have already asserted, here we see that the the context of this prophecy is still within the scope of the admonishments which the prophet offered those who came to Jerusalem to inquire as to whether they should continue to keep the fasts, as it was described in the beginning of chapter 7. Here we learn that if the remnant of Judah keeps the appointed fasts with sincerity... And even those fasts that were later added by their rulers, then they shall have the blessings of Yahweh their God. And in verse 20, Zechariah writes, Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, It shall yet come to pass that there shall come people, and the inhabitants of many cities, and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go speedily to pray before Yahweh, and to seek Yahweh of hosts. I will go also. Yeah, many people and strong nations shall come to seek Yahweh of hosts in Jerusalem, and to pray before Yahweh. And this calls to mind the pilgrimages made by medieval Christians to Jerusalem. <coughs> and the, the attempts by the Crusaders to establish a kingdom there. We have seen that from its very beginning, the prophecy of Zechariah is a messianic prophecy for the scattered children of Israel, as well as for the remnant 70 weeks kingdom in Jerusalem. If in these chapters Yahweh stated that he had scattered Israel, but that he would regather Israel, and if in other prophecies the children of Israel were to become many great and strong nations, then we cannot assume that these nations which would come to seek the Lord are anything other than those same nations of scattered Israel. In Zechariah chapter 2, we read a plea to Israel from God. Ho, ho, and then the King James Version adds the words, come forth. Ho, ho, come forth, and flee from the land of the north, saith Yahweh. And flee they did, but they couldn't come back to Palestine, because he put a hedge around it, as he says in the other prophetic writings. Rather, they fled from the land of the north and went to Europe. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of heaven. So they went in every direction, and they did, but they didn't go back to Palestine. Saith Yahweh, Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon, speaking of the children of Israel in captivity. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith Yahweh, and many nations shall be joined to Yahweh in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that Yahweh of hosts has sent me unto thee. You know, the fulfillment of prophecy proves without a doubt that God is true. Understanding that Zechariah is a messianic prophecy, understanding that Yahweh of hosts was manifest in the person of 
Yahshua Christ, when many nations joined themselves to Christ and accepted Christianity, and this was written about by Zechariah 500 years, 550 years before the crucifixion, we know that God is true. When Yahweh God speaks of the scattering of Israel as an inevitable consequence for their sins, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and tells them that they will consider what happened in the lands in which they were scattered. 3,000 years later, 3,500 years later, we have Bibles considering what happened. And here we are, proving that God is true. The fact that we're reading, we not as a small Christian identity group, but we as a race, the fact that so many of us are reading this Bible and considering these things, whether they found the truth already or not, nevertheless proves that God is true. And that was written 3,500 years ago. After Zechariah chapter 2, in Zechariah chapter 7, Yahweh had said that I scattered them with a storm wind among all the nations whom they have not known. And here in chapter 8, he offered reconciliation where he said, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and the land of the west, and I will bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they will be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. With these promises, we cannot imagine that the many people in strong nations mentioned by Zechariah here are anything other than the people of Israel who were already scattered by God. Those many nations, as it says in Zechariah chapter 2, joined to Yahweh in that day and shall be his people, are the same as the many people in strong nations that shall come to seek Yahweh of hosts in Jerusalem here. And they are the same as the many nations and kings and companies of nations and great nations and strong nations that were promised to come from the seed of Abraham. It's not different groups of nations that the scripture is talking about. The one set of prophecies takes it for granted that the other prophecies of God would be fulfilled. It's that simple. This prophecy concerning many nations being gathered to the law takes it for granted, as it should, that the other prophecies, which state that Abraham's seed would become great nations and many nations, would be fulfilled. Likewise, because it cannot be taken for granted that anything other than the people of Israel who were already scattered by God and promised to become many nations and great nations are those who are referenced here. Likewise, in Micah chapter 4, we read the following, and we read this last week, and we'll read it again. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of Yahweh shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. And this is Zion, the people of God. 
and it will become the greatest of nations. The people that flow into it are also scattered Israel, as we see in the verse which follows. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And then in verse 5, For all people, meaning the other peoples, will walk everyone in the name of his God. And since those gods don't exist, we see their fate. And we will walk in the name of Yahweh our God forever and ever. So all these nations and people flowing into the house of God are the gathering of scattered Israel. And the next verse also demonstrates that. In that day, saith Yahweh, will I assemble her that halteth, and I will gather her that is driven out, which can only refer to the children of Israel, and her that I have afflicted, the children of Israel, in the punishment of their captivity. And I will make her that halted a remnant, those who stayed near to Palestine. And her that was cast far off, a strong nation. Those who wandered off from Palestine, who left the land of their captivity, who escaped the nations, as Isaiah put it. And Yahweh shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever. Micah chapter 4 is a prophecy which repeats in part the earlier promises to the patriarchs in scattered Israel, the seed of Abraham, which tarried, would remain a remnant, but those who wandered afar off would become a strong nation. It can be established that they became known as the Germanic peoples, and indeed, the further they wandered, the stronger the nations which came from them. We can see in Isaiah 66:19 where Yahweh had said that he would send them. And that is where the Germanic peoples began to appear as they migrated from Mesopotamia in the centuries after the deportations of Israel by the Assyrians. Scattered Israel cast far off eventually became strong nations returned to Yahweh their God through Yahshua Christ. This is also evident in the final passage of Zechariah, chapter 8. Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Judahite, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Speaking of the children of Israel in captivity, Yahweh said in Isaiah chapter 52, For thus saith Yahweh, You have sold yourselves to naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith Yahweh God, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Then we read in verse 7 of that chapter, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that says unto Zion, 
Thy God reigneth. The reference to the oppression of the Assyrian is a reference to the captivity of the children of Israel. And here we are told that they would receive the gospel of salvation in that captivity. And that is the purpose of the gospel of Christ. To bring the good news of their salvation to the scattered children of Israel. That they may return to Yahweh their God through Christ. There is no other purpose in scripture. Israel was scattered for their sins, and through the forgiveness of Christ, they are regathered to their God. The word which we inserted here in Zechariah 8.23, Judahite, is the proper translation of the Old Testament word describing someone of the tribe of Judah. Perhaps in the context of the New Testament, Judean would have been better. It should certainly not be Jew since that term wrongly insinuates that today's Jews are Judah, something which the scripture as well as history denies. The proper translation of the Hebrew word is Judahite, and the corresponding Greek term means Judean. A proper translation and interpretation of scripture can only be made once there is a proper understanding of its context. So Paul had said in Acts chapter 26 that the Christian hope was meant for the twelve tribes of Israel and not the Jews. Likewise, his original commission as it is described in Acts chapter 9 verse 15 and as it is properly translated in the Christian New Testament was to bear the name of Christ before both the nations and kings of the sons of Israel. of Israel. Once the context of Scripture is understood, the consistency and fulfillment of the prophecy, promises of God can be recognized, and there is no conflict. The ten men, the ten men mentioned here, can only represent the so-called lost ten tribes. The children the children of Israel who were scattered. While they really represented portions of all 12 tribes, historically they were called 10 because there remained a remnant of Judah and Benjamin in Judea. The reference to him that is a Judahite or a Judean represents the apostles of Christ going out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, bearing the gospel of their salvation. The Judean historian Flavius Josephus had said in his Antiquities of the Judeans, where in Book 11 he had written of the remnant which returned to build the second temple. But the entire body of the people of Israel remained in that country, meaning where they were settled by the Assyrians and Babylonians. Therefore, there are but two tribes in Asia and Europe subject to the Romans. While the ten tribes are beyond Euphrates until now and are an immense multitude and not to be estimated by numbers. And of course, around this same time, Diodorus Siculus and Strabo the geographer were telling us that that was the land of the Sacae, the Scythians. 
Of course, Josephus was ignorant of what had been happening to those people, whom he had elsewhere called the Northern Barbarians, that many of them had been wandering northward through the Caucasus Mountains and around the Black Sea, establishing the Germanic tribes of Europe and Asia. Josephus did not know that. But Paul of Tarsus was not ignorant of them, and informs us informs us of their identity throughout his surviving epistles. Those scattered Israelites who were converted to Christ by the apostles understood that God was with them. Zechariah surely was a Christian prophet. Here we conclude our presentation of Zechariah through chapter 8. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh. And good night.